The future belongs to those who see the possibilities before they become obvious. Welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Fireside Chats Without the Fires, Friday, November 20th. What a joy it is to go back on the LinkedIn Live. Audience, we hope you're seeing us, we hope you're hearing us. It is great to see you and be seen by you again. Last time we did this was about a month ago during uh, Customer Service Week and CX Day. It is a pleasure to be back in front of you live. Paul Catherall, co-host, co-creator of Fireside <laughs> Chats Without the Fires. Let everyone hear you and see you. Hey, Neil. How you doing? Hello, everybody. Um, thank you very much for giving us this opportunity. I'm, I'm so stoked to, to be able to do this. This is going to be off the charts. If I'm allowed Come to on, say. mate. You're not stoked. That's not what you are on Fridays. You <laughs> no, are I'm buzzing. I am buzzing. <laughs> I am buzzing. You're buzzing. And when Paul's buzzing, it, that means it's a Friday. It's time to get to get live here. So we're, we're taking a different angle today. Uh, this this week's session, today's session is uh, we're going to introduce our panel in just a second. We have three C experts, CX experts, C experts in action. We've invited uh, three of our podcast guests uh, onto the show today to serve as a panel. This is a kind of a logical progression because we had so much fun with uh, these guests and really with all of our guests, but these guests uh, did, some, did some great work uh, on, the, on the podcast and we've asked them to come back and participate in an exercise. We're gonna present as much of a real life CX conundrum or CX scenario as possible, kind of case study presentation mode as some of those if you have ever participated in a business school, these are the types of exercises you do in an MBA classroom, an MBA program, or maybe just in your, your day-to-day work. You look at case studies, you take some real life data, uh, add some stories to it, and come up with a solution. We're gonna take this, the, the, the case study methodology here. Let's try to crack this case. Paul, let's get the three uh, C experts uh, in let's front of everybody. This. Let the audience see them. The one and only Becky Roman, the one and only Mike Aoki, and the one and only Andrew Gillum. You and you all may know Andrew Gillum and I have a great debate going about bots. We're not going to talk necessarily about that today. Just for the, the record, love Andrew Gillum, and he knows that bots are not bogus. Anyway, Holy let's God. get to this. I want to introduce everyone. For those that may not know each individual member, let's start. Uh, t- for me, top, I assume everyone has maybe seen the same thing. Andrew Gillum, tell the audience who you are quickly, a little quick background about you. Hi there. I'm Andrew Gillum. I'm an associate analyst with ICMI, and uh, I write and speak and debate Neil about whether or not bots are bogus. That's really my, uh, my cup of tea these days. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you, and a shout out to ICMI and, and all the folks that are part of that umbrella of organizations. It's a great, or, great set of organizations. Becky Roman, same thing. Tell the audience the who and the what. The who and the what. Well, I am Becky Roman. I uh, manage the customer experience um, consulting portfolio uh, at Abtex. I am a um, contact center geek. I usually play in the contact center space. Um, and I love to uh, talk about the crossover between customer experience and contact center. So contact center as the delivery mechanism of customer experience promises. Good. Becky, do we have to ask you on this one? Please don't hold back, please. Are we, what are, I, are we going to get from you? I never do. Never do. Love it. Mike Aoki, 
Same thing. Mm -hmm. Tell the audience a little bit about you. Sure, exactly. My focus is more on the contact center side of things, again, with customer experience, but really focused on how the contact center is working and especially how they're being trained. So I love talking about training in terms of being able to improve customer service and also sales as well with a real focus on the people side of the business. Love it. So we have, as um, as Leslie O'Flahaven, I think, just mentioned, there it is. These three are more than a mere panel. They are a visionary panel of truth tellers for sure. I couldn't agree more with Leslie O. By the way, Leslie O, it's lovely to have you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, audience, please comment, ask questions, participate. Um, while we can't necessarily see you live and in action, we do see your comments and they inspire us, they keep us going here. Here's the deal. We hope that you see there's a set of bullet points in front of you on the screen. Most of these bullet points you will probably know for those of us in customer care, these are day-to-day -day things that our organizations deal with. You'll see them. I'm not going to read them all out because uh, everyone can read and, and see them. There's things about SLA, service level agreements. These are some contact center metrics, maybe some voice of customer metrics, depending on how you define voice of customer. Here's some items about the operation. Here's a couple comments quickly about the tech stack. And then here's the qualitative portion of this. Some customer comments that we've received from our customer base, both good and not so good. Uh, quick parentheses. This is not a reflection of any specific company. This is uh, for, let's call it for entertainment purposes, although there's some truth. Many of our organizations truly deal with these things. None of our companies that any of these panelists work for uh, or our clients or any of the thing, any of the, anything similar are actually reflected here in these comments. This is an exercise drawn from our collective experiences. I want to make sure that that was clear. So we're going to ask each person to play a role. Andrew Gillum is the visionary. Becky Roman is the operations leader. Mike Aoki is the leader of training. That being said, I'm going to ask each of you, what do you see here? Because by the way, I am the chief operating officer and I'm getting my you know what handed to me. I'm getting in trouble because of some voice of customer stuff. There's some noise on social media. Some of these metrics look like you know what, four letter words that aren't nice. And you, mm -hmm. my reports, I need to know what's going on here. And I'm going to put Gillum on the spot because I need some improvement here on these things. Tell me, what am I going to do with these things? I'm getting my you-know-what handed to me. Andrew, what's going on? You're the visionary. So there were a couple of things that I saw in this uh, scenario that gave me concern immediately. Um, one of those, just kind of going from top to bottom, was the <clears> – pardon me – uh, was the attrition both at the agent and the supervisor and uh, in the QA department. Um, so I, I think that that's something that we have to keep in mind. Um, that's going to affect the skills that we're able to build on our team. Um, and it's also going to be very expensive for us. Um, I also noticed that there seemed to be some technology limitations, both in the channels that we're offering to our customers presently only voice and email, and then also uh, that there are outages with our premise on-premise uh, contact center and CRM platform, and it appears that we have periodic outages there. Um, so that, that will be a problem, and how we address that when it comes up in practice, we also need to, to take a look at and make sure that we're giving agents alternatives 
um, so that they can serve the customer as best they can, even if they don't have access to systems. And ultimately, we need to get to the root cause and, and fix that problem. Um, I mean, customer- I, I got I to tell you, though, I, I, I'm kind of concerned here. I, I'm thinking that what they're doing in training, the experience is so bad in training. We're, cutting, we're not keeping people once they get on the floor, they're quitting. I, I mean, I'm, 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 I don't know. I'm going That's crazy over here. This year to date, what about year over year? What if this is an incredible improvement from last year? What did we do last year? That, that is a good question. That's so a great question. You think, I, you think I'm supposed to know? I, I, you got to know this thing. I, you, you, this is your while, thing. This isn't I great, while this isn't great attrition, right? It's November. You're to date attrition, 45%, right? We see a lot of center, centers at 100% um, or, or over that, turning over incredibly rapidly. So at least we are keeping 55% of our agents in their seats for about a year. Okay, we're, we, have, we have a foundation to start. Now we got to peel back the layers and we have to understand what are these attrition drivers and then kind of take the inverse of that and, and start to pull those levers as retention, um, you know, as, as retention mechanisms. So there's a couple of things here, though. We don't know the whole story. Let's understand where we were at last year and see if this is an improvement or a decline and then, and then go from there. So that's just one snippet of the story. What concerns me more is this 95 percent. We're, we're a- answering 90 percent of our calls within 60 seconds. That's awesome, but look at CSAT and our MPS. So what I'm looking at here is um, if if I had to guess, our numbers are telling the story that our FCR is incredibly low. We are not not actually resolving the customer's problem while they are on the call. So if if we are not enabling our, our agents to resolve the customer inquiry on the first contact, that's probably driving some behind the scenes frustration. Furthermore, piggyback on that real quick. I noticed that our internal QA scores are exceeding our target by quite a bit. Um, And what concerns me is that ideally our QA should be correlated positively with our CSAT and our NPS. So I think we need to investigate. Exactly. Is our quality driving the right behavior? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We've got to look at policies. We also have a disconnect. Making agents want to leave. Yes. We probably have a disconnect between metrics that we're incentivized to hit and what the overall target of the organization is. Obviously, based off of the CEO being up our rears right now, he wants us to have delivered the best customer satisfaction possible. But we're probably being managed to metrics that are not targeted around CSAT and they're targeted around average handle time, how many calls we're answering per hour per day, et cetera. So we're probably incentivizing our center that in a that in a way that is disaligned to what the organization has for the vision of how we're going to handle and support our customers. Well, and to oh, that oh, hold point, on a second. Hold on. You mean like, listen, we're not rocking a boat here. All of our bonuses are tied to this stuff, uh, these SLAs. We're getting 95% service levels right now. You want me to rock the boat and go to the, C- the CFO and say, no, we're going to introduce a new wrinkle here? I agree. we got to change some stuff over here. But, you know, this, this the CSAC thing – you can't incentivize me for average handle time, but tell me that customer satisfaction is the number one thing. Well, because and, am I going to focus on the satisfaction of the call or first contact resolution, or am I going to be managing to get that client off the call as quickly as possible? I am going to go hours. Garbage right now, too. Yeah. Well, what's amazing too is if you look, the average handle time is 18 minutes, almost double the target, and yet still it's a 95% of calls are being answered in, in 60 seconds or less. So you wonder if 
is it a case where you know things are just overstaffed right now? Is it a case where you know the the, the background processes aren't there to streamline that? I mean, is a ten minute target based upon increased automation? Is it based upon better processes that have just fallen apart now? And that's why it's eighteen that's minutes. Are they bored? Mm-hmm. Well, and something I picked out of the VOC data that I think we need to investigate is um, transfers between departments, escalations, and what level of empowerment. And does that come back to a knowledge issue? Would we be benefit? Or is our AHT so high because the because of escalations? Is it high because um, agents don't have access to the knowledge they need, or is it high because of these system outages? Fig- figure that yes, out. Yeah, you, you you have to be onto something there with the CRM outages, and um, you know then we have that VOC kind of pointing the hat. Four days ago, they're calling; they're still waiting. Um, I mean, we'll probably have a disconnect of what agents have access to in order to, to handle these calls at an appropriate age. And I would, I would also say that in the process of that, especially with our attrition being so high, um, it would be wise to look at solutions that will allow us to adopt KCS knowledge-centered service in order to, A, improve the empowerment of the agents, um, but also reduce our training time if we're having such difficulty retaining people. Um, but that will also, I think, have positive cultural attributes that people yeah. are, have some ownership and able to contribute. So hopefully that will also improve. Um, We're having empowerment is- issues at every layer, though, right? Because look at supervisor attrition. That's really high as well. So we have to we have to straight out scrap our policies and rebuild from the ground up because we are, again, not just metrics, but it looks like here we're creating policies that are firewalling our contact center from being able to actually, you know, assist these callers versus just put them on hold and have to send it up the chain every single time. Yeah. And also there's a big disconnect with the QA department. Look at the year date attrition for the QA team. It's, it's 60%. All those coaches turning over that fast results in inconsistency. And mm-hmm. again, as you mentioned, there's a misalignment between the QA scores and the CSAT scores. Is part of that being driven by the fact that we've already lost half of our QA coaches. And have to replace right. the new ones. They know what they're looking for. You know, as well. Right. Are we- <laughs> so it's just point the finger back there. Oh. the right things. Right, Rob? Yeah, I'm ready to point the finger. I mean, this tells me I got to go go to the training person. Mike, I mean, I, is this a training well, issue? Like, are you, are you not training the people correctly? What's, why are these, what's this attrition well, I, thing? With, I don't say yeah, the I, agents, the QA team, the supervisors, everyone's, you know, up and leaving. Yeah, so that's the whole thing about this is, you know, again, if you look at training, training is one part of the issue, but are the tools there? So as Andrew mentioned, the knowledge base, the CRM system outages, but also along with this too, when it comes to the training aspect of it is consistency. And what I'm seeing in here in terms of the QA team turnover and the disconnect between CSAT and QA scores is there isn't consistency there. It's not aligned. And typically what happens right. is the training department will train based upon what, you know, the, C- the quality assurance score should be with CSAT hopefully being the outcome if they're aligned. If they're misaligned, there could be an issue here with training the agents on the wrong skills and training towards the wrong target, which is to get a great QA score, which they are getting, you know, with a very high QA score from those QA uh, coaches, but it's not aligning though with what the customers need. And that means you've got agents that use, a, you know, customer's name three times that, you know, and anyone with, you know, is there anything else that can help you with doing all the little check boxes and a QA score, but not making customers happy. And that's a disconnect in terms of the actual meaning of your contact center. Okay, what is the goal? How do we realign now the QA scoring and the whole QA program so we're actually going to be able to support customers, you know, to get a great customer experience. And then from that, we can actually realign training to support that aspect. Right now, my guess is training is being done to a QA sheet and it's not aligning with what the customers want. So that that has to be overhauled. 
or well, I want to add something manual and it's not it's not sticking with we might need to start to relook at um, delivery mechanisms of our training too because maybe just in time training makes more sense for our line of business than giving them a you know three inch thick binder full of processes that they're never going to look at or care about. But we also have to look at, I think the percent, the, the level of attrition also brings up the question, like, are we training in a panic? And we all know that what happens is when we need, when we need asses and seats really, really quick, we need to just train them. good. And a lot of times our centers get into this process, train them good enough, get them out on the phones, and then we will start to build knowledge. And then as we get more busy and or and or we see additional attrition happen then it, it just it kind of snowballs from there but that's another big thing is when we're seeing supervisor attrition too and at similar rates as the agent attrition we we typically see that downstream impact of we're not training as robustly because we're so desperate just to get them out on the floor well, and I want to add on to that, Becky and, and Mike, what you said. I think we have to consider the purpose of our training. If you don't have a good knowledge solution, then the purpose of your training is to get people to memorize how to do things. If you implement KCS, um, one of the key benefits of that is the significantly reduced time to proficiency um, because you shift from training people what to know, what the answer is, to how to find the answer. And especially in a situation where you have high turnover, um, that will improve how we're using that time. Um, but I really think that what we should be training is how we build the culture, onboarding people um, into our organization's culture to improve that attrition. Um, and instead of memorization, and then teach people, here's how you go find the answer that you need in our, in our knowledge base. Yeah, and that's the key is train to skills, train to the customer experience skills, and then be able yeah. to find the answers to it. Because as long as the skills are there, you can find the answers, as long as the knowledge base is robust enough. The other disconnect I see with this too is, and Becky, to your point, when there's that fast to turn over, you're right. It's just trying to go and do crash courses to get butts in seats. The challenge here, I don't see a mention of any kind of a coaching program. So well, I, was say, I just wrote down notes about that, Mike. I think we have to rethink <laughs> about it. I think we have to rethink our, our structure Right. If, if we have tiered agents, then we can start to, um, first of all, give them career growth, which drives retention. Um, but then what we need to start to look at is our nesting period. Maybe we need to tweak things in training. But I think what we might be having an issue with is our nesting period. Something's not translating from what we're telling them in the training room and what they're doing when they're out on the phones. So I think we need to have a more robust training or excuse me, nesting period that allows our um, new agents to be partnered with a more um, senior agent. But, th but then, you know, another thing about um, another thing about nesting, right. Is that we, we make assumptions as directors and trainers of how contacts are actually going to go, how a call is going to actually go. And we really like to um, make that feel like it's going to be uh, sunshine and rainbows. And it's not, it's not sunshine and rainbows. And then sometimes, you know, new agents just panic when they get on the calls. They have a frustrated, um, they have a frustrated customer on the phone. We are managing to AHT. Um, so we need to, we need to really, I think we just really need to think back of how we're um, communicating to what we're managing them against, how we're managing those metrics, and then the nesting period, getting them really used to how our actual customer interactions look and feel. Um, because there might be a disconnect there as well. Yeah. 
And Becky, you know, based on the world am I going to take these ideas? Hold on, team. I'm I'm interrupting here because look, all I'm hearing is some amazing ideas. You're really smart. I'm really fortunate to have each of you on this team here. I got to tell you, I'm seeing dollar signs flash by me. How am I going to sell these ideas internally? Because I'm just seeing dollar signs, dollar signs, cash out, cash out. These are great ideas. You're asking. If we don't resolve our average handle time issue, we're going to keep burning dollars on mm -hmm. spending 18 to 20 minutes per contact. How about we go back and make the right investments in the right places of the contact center and get that AHT down because then our cost to serve starts to dissipate. We have well, that to attrition rate is right. probably even worse. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it costs yeah. more than $10,000 fully loaded to acquire a new agent, and we're doing that for half of our workforce and, and probably more expensive for people with the quality and supervisory skills. So we need to stick a plug in that drain. Right. Well, and you know, Andrew, just to build on what you said as well, and Becky as well, one of the keys with this is when you've got that high nutrition rate, I mean, think about it. When you look at first year agent salary, 40% of that is really going towards recruitment, onboarding and right. training. So you got right. a 40% premium now for that first year salary. We need to quantify so these fully loaded right. costs. So it's a lot of lost money right there. If we can just even cut that rate in half, we'll right. save a lot of money in the long run. The other key is this. I'd love to go and see the exit interviews for the agents, for the QA coaches, for the supervisors. Find out why are they leaving? Is it compensation? In which case, an extra dollar an hour might save us, you know, $750 for two months for training. You know, what can we do? In and what are we hiring for? Mm -hmm. if, we, if we're requiring previous contact center experience, maybe that isn't working. Maybe we are absorbing the problems of other contact centers. Maybe we need to start exploring green people. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. I need each of you immediately, I need 30 seconds of a solution. I gotta present something to upper management, to my bosses, and I gotta tell you, I'm not putting my you know what on the line for this thing, because my bonus is almost guaranteed until this stuff started hitting the fan. I need some solutions that are gonna work, Give me 30 seconds, each of you, of something I can take to the CEO and the CFO that they're not going to push back on, that I'm going to get improved because it's so well argumented, it's so well put together, it's so well justified that they have no option but to say yes. Andrew Gillum, you're on the spot. 30 seconds, summary, solution. First, we absolutely need to figure out why our employees are leaving at all levels at such a high rate. So we're going to investigate uh, why that's happening through a voice of the employee study. We're going to look at the exit interviews. We're going to determine what our fully loaded costs to um, retain and to acquire new employees is so that we understand what incremental improvements are actually worth in terms of monetary and economic value to the organization. Um, and then we're going to make decisions based on what, what we learned from that to hopefully very quickly um, get our get our attrition down and start to see some positive benefits. Um, and then we can start doing some more things once we have acquired the employees to uh, build a career path for them um, and retain and, and build their skills so they really become invaluable to the company. Is this gonna cost us anything? It will take some time to initially uh, start learning about where these problems are, um, but the value is is definitely going to be worth it. And, and we'll so be able saying, to quantify that by looking at what our fully loaded cost to acquire a new employee is and, and quantifying that cost of attrition. Agent experience, voice of employee. You think that's gonna fix the problem, you're on the hook. Becky Roman. Go, 30 seconds. 
Yeah. So obviously with an operational hat on, I, you know, what Andrew's looking at is more long-term investments and looking for sustainable fixes, which I'm all for, but we also have to hemorrhage the bleeding right now. So we need to get folks, we need to keep people in our seats. We need to keep folks retained. So I think we need to immediately look at aligning our metrics to our customer experience promises and that customer experience vision that the, that the company has. We do not need to know VOE. We do not even need to know VOC to start to align more appropriately what we're managing to, to what we're promising our customers and getting those CSAT scores up by managing to the appropriate things, right? We also need to look at average handle time and we need to understand what's driving um, larger larger handle times and, and longer handle times that is. And so we need to start going back and really diving into different processes and workflows and understanding where are our biggest inefficiencies in some of our main contact types. And then and going back and saying, where is our knowledge base not performing appropriately? Because Mike might be doing his job perfectly, but if when they need the information at their fingertips, if it's not there, then we have a tools issue, not a training issue. We need to look at K-Base and we need to make sure that some of these um, these contact types that are higher in, in uh, average handle time, we need to go back and look at those processes immediately and see where we can drive efficiencies now. So again, if we're looking at making immediate improvements, we need something that we can prove that, that we can go and fix in, in 60, 60 days. And metrics and some of those K-based items are things that we can go and fix in 60 days. We get 60 days. If I go out on the line and say, if we revise metrics and processes, can we do it it's in 60 days? Is that a promise we can commit to? It's how we're managing the contact center. It's not, it's, it's, there's also incentives. We're driving human behavior through how we're managing the contact center, right? We are telling them through how we incentivize them, supervisors especially. If we are saying, if we're, so for example, if we're incentivizing them for CSAT, but we're saying you have to get, you have to hit AHT targets, they're confused on what they need to do. So we have to take a look back at what what uh, you and I, Neil, have to get in alignment on what we're asking the contact center to do and what we're ultimately working towards. If that is CSAT and MPS, which mind you, MPS is not a contact center metric. That's a brand metric. We should not be responsible for MPS. We should be responsible for CSAT of what's coming out of the contact center. Let's focus on what actually happens in the contact center. Are you suggesting we go to management and tell them that those of us that are customer facing are no longer responsible for NPS to get rid of it as part I of didn't our say bonus? That. We're part of the equation. We're just not the whole equation. NPS is we need to understand the drivers of the NPS. The brand we to determine the contact center impact how they perceive the brand, but we are not the whole. We are not the whole equation here. Um, all of the added parts to how they perceive our brand. There's marketing, there's social media, there's product design, there's all of these different components. Contact center cannot be directly responsible for MPS because that is a point in time, right? Contact center is one interaction. MPS is whether or not they're gonna promote the brand. And if you're gonna promote the brand, you have a, a relationship and a relationship consists of a lot of different interactions. So let's not all talk these- about I don't want to talk about NPS if we're fixing what's happening in the contact center. All these highfalutin ideas that you're coming up with, what's this going to cost me? To re to redesign processes, there's a cost associated. To align metrics to a vision, that takes leadership sitting down in the same room and getting on the same page. We have the left hand not talking to the right hand. 
we can start to align the organization and prove to them that we are strategic leaders and we are not just throwing random metrics at them and trying to incentivize them to low, reduce costs, but then telling them they have to go, you know, satisfy our customers. We have to start to align what we're saying with how we're incentivizing their behavior. Got it. I'm going to ask Mike, but before Mike, audience, you went silent for a second. Now's your moment. Send in your questions. Send in your comments. Throw it's your tomatoes. Let us, I went on let us see them in. Let us see them in the let us see them in the chat. Throw your tomatoes or throw your thumbs up, your thumbs down. This is the moment to start offering some opinions. Mike, you're on the spot. Tell us solution. 30 seconds. What are we going to do here? Sure. Okay. Well, Andrew went long term for his solutions. Becky went sort of midterm 60 days for her solutions. I'll look at really short-term tactical six weeks, because that's all we've got left now until New Year's Day. If we look at just six weeks, the fastest band-aids here. Look at CSAT and find out where the gaps are. So where are the gaps in the CSAT side of things? Then look at the QA form and see what can we quickly take out or quickly modify. I know there's unintended consequences, but there's probably something in that QA form that's prompting these longer calls and misaligning with the CSAT side. After that, take a look at doing quick little team huddles. Again, we've got six weeks to go now until New Year's Day. Pull people offline in a small group, 15 minute quick little tactical just-in-time training pieces to focus on what those CSAT you know, gaps are. And, and the good thing is because we're at a 95% service level, we probably can take, you know, again, a dozen folks off at a time, 10, 15 minutes a piece during the day and still stay above the 80% AHT level. And more importantly, address the CSAT issue with last just in time training and find out what's going on and give them those tools. Because we only have six weeks now to try to bump that CSAT level up a little bit. So that's what I really focus on there. The other thing I'd look, take a look at too is just last minute coaching as well. So for the QA coaches and supervisors, the ones that are left, have really have them focus again, looking at what those CSAT gaps are and coaching back to it. And just try to put a band-aid on that for the next six weeks till you know the year ends. What is your relationship with audience member Marianne, who says, Yep, agents need tools to succeed with an exclamation point? I think someone someone knows Marianne and someone someone knows Mike as well. They like that comment about the tools. Excellent point here. Kate Browse, I'm loving the passionate interactions today. These are three customer experience visionaries. We can't hear the audience, but if you're in the audience, turn on your mic and clap. Maybe we'll be able to hear it somehow. Clap. There is some great passion that came out of the three of you. This is wonderful. Thank you. So what we're gonna do, Paul, there, okay, there we go. Paul just posted, Paul and Jay just posted. Please take time to review. We've just posted a poll. Paul, since uh, the panel can't see the poll in front of us, what is the first poll question? I want the audience to know this. I want the audience, I'm sorry, I want the panel to know that the first question we're so asking. We've posted, <laughs> so we've posted three polls. Um, the first one is, this is Neil, by the way, guys. This this isn't me. This was Neil's suggestion. Um, does the group get a raise? That's the first one. Okay. So are you all entitled to a raise? The second one, <laughs> does the group, which ones of the group or do all the group get fired? <laughs> so, I'll let you know when it comes back. And then the last one is who, who had the best strategy or which strategy was the one that you preferred? So those polls are now out there. Um, we will leave them open for 24 hours and then when we get the results, we'll share them with you. But hopefully nobody gets fired. You know, I got to say, yeah, I, I gotta say in, in summary, I've now taken my COO <laughs> hat off and, and I'm back to co-host of, of this session. There were some sensational ideas. You know what I heard? Not one single one of your ideas cost money. They cost time. They take time. They take effort. 
These are each and every one of these, I believe, are things that take time and thought. We have to redefine, as Becky said. We have to refocus metrics. We have to perhaps adjust our strategy. We certainly have to adjust process. Andrew talked about implementing a, VO, a VOE, Voice of Employee Program. You can do that, I think, at zero, zero budget. You just have to ask Andrew's the questions. Get people and together in a room. Yeah. Let's go yeah. walk on the floor and be like, hey, why are you thinking of quitting? Real also, yeah. Also, notice how we, we, between the three of us, right, we had kind of a, you know, immediate next, next six, not, or next, uh, next two months and then the next, you know, year. We, we also have to have a strategy, right? We need to stop the bleeding right now, but we also can't be putting out the fires and forget about the long-term and the sustainability um, and the long-term impacts. So, you know, there is no, like, we can fix everything in 30 days. We can stop the bleeding in 30 to 45 days. Certainly, we can start to go back and look at these processes that are killing us right now and doing immediate redesign and, and looking at you know, the knowledge base for those specific processes. But if we're going to pull the covers fully back, if we're going to strip the bed before we remake it, it's going to take time. There is no, there is no like, you know, point and shoot fix for all of these problems. We need to do something now. We need to do something in the short term. And then like um, Andrew said, we, we have to have a longer term, you know, more strategic initiative in place as well. I think the thing too. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Oh, sorry. Thanks, Andrew. Just to build on that as well, I think we need to bring other departments in as well. So far, this has been the silo of, of, the, of the call center, the contact center, mm -hmm. but there's major aspects here to HR in terms of who are they recruiting? What is the compensation like? You know, there's aspects here in terms of the exit interviews for all the people that are quitting right now. There's a huge IT right. component for the knowledge base, CRM system, et cetera. And a lot of it is just honestly to get out of that contact center silo. To stop looking at everyone yeah. looking at the contact center room pointing fingers at each other, but instead right. work with these other departments, HR and IT and marketing for the NPS and branding side. How do we all work together as one organization to support our customers? And so there's some executive education that goes into that, right, Mike? Mm -hmm. We we have a CEO that thinks that the contact center should be responsible for our NPS score. Mm -hmm. We are a piece of the puzzle. Do mm -hmm. not tell me that I am the whole puzzle in the contact center because social media impacts NPS, product design impacts NPS. I I am not going to be I am not going to be managing my people for a brand metric out of the contact center. There's too many upstream and downstream impacts to that and, and we should not be the only people responsible for that. Um, right? That is a brand wide responsibility, organization wide responsibility. Contact center sees that absolutely on my back 100%. But we also need to do some we need to do some education to the executives on what needs to be managed, why it needs to be managed, and how we need to align their vision of the organization back to the contact center um, because there's there's a huge disalignment there and there's a there's inconsistencies in what they're asking for and then what they're expecting. And, you know, that's really a great symptom as well of the fact that the organization is looking at the, the call center, the customer service areas being the be all and end all for customer service satisfaction and MPS scores. And the problem with the contact center typically is that, you know, we're seen as being sort of the catch all, you know, customer service will pick it up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exactly. a perception issue that has to be addressed. Right. We're mopping up the messes that mm -hmm. other departments made. And then all of a sudden, NPS is completely our problem. Mm -mm. As Lisa Deal, guest on this program, has once said, our 
collective jobs in the contact center, unfortunately, is to mop up the you-know-what after the parade. Lisa Deal, if you're listening, hats mm-hmm. off to you for that one. Uh, let me just read to uh, Lafayette Moran, one of the greatest and led, most legendary uh, biz dev guys in the BPO world, says two comments. He said, great point uh, when uh, when Becky was ending her, her, her I was going to say diatribe, but that's, that wouldn't be fair to, to Becky. It was, was, and it was just concluding what she was saying. Uh, he also says, customers are even measuring NPS with collections or negative processes. And he said, NPS starts at the top. Laugh, if you're listening, I think you're still listening. Uh, thank you for those comments. It's great to have you part of this. Uh, Andrew, I think I just interrupted you. Forgive me. Uh, go ahead. Well, I wanted to point out something. I might kind of built on this outside of the organization, um, but and I've also had this conversation with Becky, but there can be silos within your contact center. And one of the reasons that we came up with all of these ideas and that we now have a solution path forward is that all of our contact center leaders that we have in our team here, um, except maybe for you, Neil, you're, you're kind of uh, giving us a hard time. But we all have a, a shared understanding of what's important and the relationships of our metrics. And, and maybe we have some different approaches, but we're all working on the same page. We can have a frank conversation. And, you know, Becky can get in my face and I can get in Becky's face um, and, and Mike. And we can work together as one team to solve this problem. If you don't, especially on the leadership team, if you don't have that common vision or common understanding, or you're too busy protecting your own little world, you're not going to, or your own bonus, you're not going to be able to have these important conversations that drive us forward. And And one of the things I think we overlook is when you specialize, if you have a specialty manager, um, who maybe only cares about WFM or only about QA or only about VOC um, or only about VOE or whatever it is, if you're um, not sharing your expertise, it, it go, you know, do a, everyone go to a WFM workshop together, even if it's not your job, understand development appreciation for what that person does. Understand mm-hmm. development appreciation for these different disciplines so that you can come together like we've come together today. And that's influencing influencing 101 is understanding what matters to you and how I can align to that so that we can all march towards the same goal more efficiently and more effectively. Um, and, and, you know, like when we, when we start to think of things like NPS, and again, I'm not against NPS, that is just a brand company-wide score. Let's all march towards that. We all have to have responsibility for the things that we impact. And that's a cumulative score of all of the different interactions that that customer has had with our organization. But again, like Andrew said, if we are all understanding what each other does and where, you know, our own internal shortfalls are and why we need to um, lean on each other and and use those those cumulative scores like MPS to all see ourselves as a unified team delivering customer experience, right? Contact center is the primary delivery mechanism but there are so many other um, impacting factors there. And we have to, we have to start to tell that story internally to get the buy-in. And, and like Andrew said, that's, in, that's influencing one-on-one, right? How do we as leaders say, okay, we've told this story wrong in the past. We're going to course correct now. We're going to get everyone's buy-in by, by allowing us to align to these other organizations and telling the story of why customer experience, customer satisfaction, MPS is everybody's job how everybody impacts that. It's a great uh, uh, comment from Mitch Galliatera from the audience. It says, the contact center is now the nerve center that is responsible for providing thought leadership 
to change the company's processes to turn the customer experience, capital C, capital mm -hmm. E customer experience around. Time to transform the center from a reactive one into the company's proactive source of direction since the voice of customer comes into that key part of the company. True yeah, Mitch, that's, that's what I always say is contact center is the delivery mechanism of customer experience promises. Absolutely. Contact center is the, the core. True that. So we are now at the cutoff time. I got to tell you, I learned a lot from the three of you. Um, these ideas were sensational. As Kate Browse indicated, there's passion here. There's knowledge, there's passion, there's experience. Uh, audience, for those of you that are not already following uh, Andrew, Becky, and Mike, follow them. These are people that are putting out really good content. Uh, for those that are hireable, hire them. I'm putting on a shameless plug for, for those of you that can be hired. Hire them. These are people that are really good at what they do. Their companies are really good. Uh, in the case of Andrew, go follow Andrew's stuff. Participate in his ICMI chat. Uh, read the stuff that he writes. It's challenging. It makes, me, it makes me challenge my own thought process, even though he hasn't yet beat me in a debate. That being said, Andrew is top-notch. Becky is top-notch. And Mike is, is super top-notch. Really, thank you to the three of you for your participation. How do I get to super top-notch, Mike? Wow. <laughs> Each of you are super top-notch. Forgive me. There's, there's not enough superlatives for, 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 for the three of you. Really, this is, this is great stuff. Uh, the question that I want to ask the three of you as parting guests. Will you come back on as a, either a panelist or a future podcast guest? True or false? You will? Yes? True? Love you. Definitely. There we go. Perfect. Paul, how do we wrap this one up, man? This is a hard one to top, I think. Yeah, I don't really know how I can top it off. I've been buzzing probably since the last week in terms of, you know, what everybody agreed to. So, again, thank you so much for, uh, for you guys for agreeing to come on. As Neil rightly says, you guys are uh, nothing short of amazing. We have had a vote. We've had one vote come in in terms of who had the best strategy. And so far, drum roll, please. Mike. Oh, wow. Mike has the best strategy so far. One person voted. Honestly, guys, thank you so, so much. It's been an absolute joy and a pleasure to, to have you on as, uh, as panelists and your passion and drive. Um, just on this topic was sensational. I, I was a little bit apprehensive. It's the first time we've done this, anything like this. Um, and we wanted to mix it up a little bit from like your normal BAU panel discussion or webinar or whatever, but you guys smashed it. It went far better than I was expecting. So thank you so, so much. Thanks for inviting us. Thanks. Thanks for having you. Thank you. Final request for the audience. Uh, if you're not already doing so, follow us, like us, share our stuff. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. It's important that uh, it gives us a, that's our own voice of customer metrics so that we know if people like us and want to hopefully continue to do these kinds of things. Uh, question from Lafayette Moran. Neil, where can I go to find previous episodes? Paul, you know better than I do. I mean, I think I know, but best place to find previous episodes of the podcast is. So you, you can find us on Apple, on Spotify, on Google and uh, on Amazon music podcast or across all those platforms. Just search for fireside chat throughout the fires and you'll be able to subscribe there. So yeah, you'll be able to see the, or listen to previous episodes and also subscribe to upcoming episodes. And what we, what we will do is we'll po post this panel discussion as a podcast in two weeks time. Um, so yeah, there we go. And great, Kate Browse just said, please do something like this again, which is wonderful. Kate, you're an incredibly loyal and 
wonderful subscriber and follower of this podcast. Thank you so much for always being here for us. But it's great to know that this is this was enjoyed. I, we would love to be able to do something like this again, meaning a LinkedIn Live so that we can do this. People can see, can hear, can have a way of engaging. It's wonderful. And just once again, thank you to the three of you so much. Have a wonderful weekend. Fireside Chats about the fires. LinkedIn Live with our three C experts. And Gilliam, Becky Roman, Mike Aoki, thank you. Wonderful weekend to the three of you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. This has been another episode of Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Follow Neil and Paul on Twitter at Neil Toff and at PaulCat72. Podcast feedback and topic suggestions are always welcome. Thank you for listening.